Hi, I'm Eve. I'm from the east end of Long Island, New York. Growing up, there was one wild animal I came across constantly, deer. Half of the people want to see them vaporized, the other half won't let you touch a little hair on their head. This is a podcast about deer and people, and how in one unique community, these two species are bound in a web of conflict that has been decades in the making. We know that hunting works. These folks created the problem. It makes me want to cry. It's like, how do we undo this? You got to do anything and everything you can to win this battle. I'm Eve Bishop, and this is Dear Humans. You can listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and this is a, a little different, Fran, isn't it? It is. It is. We. I never thought we would do something like this, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we have people in our, what, what do we call this? Is there it's our studio. My, like, our, half office? Tom's office, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but we, yeah my COVID office that became my full-time office. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually have people in in the studio for the first time since episode number two, which yeah. was Duke Farms. No. Two years? Two years ago. Happy two-year anniversary, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it, this is our two-year anniversary episode, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, wow. Wow. And and you're not asking for a divorce yet? No, not At yet. At least not. <laughs> I'm waiting for the papers to be served. <laughs> yeah. It's a secret. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. But we want to do something a little bit different today. Which is um, episode- One, this is also the, the last episode that we're going to hear your voice as is. Yeah, you know, while while you're listening to this, I'm recovering from uh, deviated septum surgery. So the next episode after this one, this is episode 94. So when we're back for the buzz in episode 95, I may sound differently. I hope you sound differently. It's, it could be like something really deep. Could you be like a James Earl Jones? Yeah. Hello, everybody. It's Fran. Welcome to Native Plants Healthy Planet. <laughs> but no, we, we have in studio with us Kelly Gill from the Xerces Society. Kelly, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And we also have in studio Cass Urban Mead, but she doesn't have a microphone. She's not mic today. So two of our or well, now recurring guests here. Yeah. So. so Kelly, this yeah. is a third third time on the podcast. That's very true. So, but Kelly, the reason why Kelly is here, she came in to spend the day with us today, and we recorded a week's worth of a native plant every day with Tom and Fran, which is our new podcast. And uh, Kelly, what did you think? I thought it went really well. I had um, higher hopes for my own performance, but um, you stumped us pretty good on some of them. Well, I'll have to tone down my brilliance for future <laughs> future episodes. But if you haven't listened to that podcast, it's a little bit different. Well, it's a lot different format. It's only like 15 to 20 minutes. Yes. We cover one plant from basically from A to Z, all the little different facts about it. Fran does a ton of research and comes up with these uh, all these ideas, actually, and then actually, sometimes I do a lot of research. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> and then he gives us a little quiz in the beginning about uh, so we can kind of try and guess the plant. And then at the end, we get a quiz on um, basically he it's like three truths and a lie, except it's or two truths and a lie, except four, it's four, four facts and one that Fran made up. So <laughs> that may or may not be it's true. It's called four facts and Fran amuses himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot of fun. Then we say, would we plant this in our yard or our garden or not? And and our our goal is right now it's it's a lot of fun because we're doing plants that are, are native. I mean, to a, a large portion of the U.S., but to also here in New Jersey where we're located. But eventually we do this long enough, we're going to be doing plants that we've never seen or heard mm-hmm. of before so and we're probably gonna have to bring in more guests that know those plants so that we don't make complete look, fools of ourselves look like idiots yeah. i'm doing that on a daily basis so if you just want to tune in to see that you can you can do that <laughs> <laughs> but we we thought we would do something a little differently today and we're going to let you preview two episodes mm-hmm. of uh, a native plant every day with tom and friend with kelly as our guest and uh You'll get to hear a little bit about it and see if you like it. And if if you do like it, you can head on over to a native plant every day and subscribe. And you can rate us there too. We already got 
six five-star reviews and one stellar and I, written and I review. I didn't even have to wow. ask for them yet. No, we, nice. we haven't even promoted it. So this is our little promotional barrage. So, But uh, we're hoping that you like it and, and – we're happy that we had a familiar voice as part of it. Kelly, thank you so much. For, I was so happy to be here. It was and, fun. And we learned a lot too. We we, we know who to bring in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but make sure you stay tuned and uh, we hope you enjoy these episodes and then we'll see you next week for episode 95 Five. with a brand new voice or not. I may sound exact. It would be funny if I get – Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is Fran. <laughs> Would you go back to the doctor if that happened? I, oh, <laughs> totally. Totally. I'd be like, no. No. This, this isn't going to work. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Enjoy these episodes. And until then, keep it native. Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and follow us on social. When, when I was handing those out, you know, I realized I didn't put them in any specific order. Like, I wasn't like... I need to have this plant on this day. So I didn't even know what it was until I just turned over the plant. So hopefully I'm prepared. Yeah. You know, uh, like 15 uh, seconds before we do. <laughs> this plant is. At, at least I did the research so I yeah. know ahead of time. But like – and I prepped these last week. So I don't even remember. Like I have them like, what was the what was the fact that I made up? Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So again, now that, now that we've all had one episode together, yeah. we can – I'm going to give you five facts, and you have to guess what the plant is. Are you still going where you each get your separate guess? I think so. Yeah. I think one of these days this week, you have to agree on well, yeah, maybe if, the if, fact. Maybe the fact yeah. one will do. If okay. we agree, then then we agree. That will be okay. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. This is an herbaceous form, a forb, in the Asteraceae family. Which is asters, coneflowers, thistles, th- sunflowers, yarrow, and right. and more. Um, so that's one. It is a facultative wet uh, wetland for, indicator set. <laughs> I shouldn't say it completely stumps me. That no. matter. It, I know stuff that likes it wetter and likes it drier, but I don't know always no. exactly what. It, I'm trying to make it, it harder yeah. because you. Can, I'm not yeah. stumping you guys, so. At least uh, you stop doing the the hint for all our listeners of oh yeah we we don't grow it because that yeah. matters to them, <laughs> <laughs> but it helps you. Um, it gets one to four foot tall, okay. which is you know pretty wide range yeah. there. Um, it is upright and clumping in shape, and its native range is from New York to Georgia, mm-hmm. west to New Mexico. And north to North Dakota. Oh gosh, one to four feet, and then the Asteraceae. Oh man, that is uh, could be a lot of things. Oh, eighty (laughs) percent of the Forbes right there. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I will. Tom, I will throw out if it helps you. It is something that we grow. Okay, Um, it didn't in this case. All right. (laughs) Okay. Oh crap. Kelly, do you have any idea? This might be one I'm going to just agree with you wow. on. It's so the... broad. I know I didn't give you anything. Well, uh, I'm if, – if, if neither of you have a guess, I'll give you a couple more clues. I have a guess. All right. What is it? My guess is Echinacea purpurea. Okay. All right. Oh, man. Based on the height, I'm, I think. Now, I'm going to say – I'm going to say based on yep. that without even – because – Echinacea really isn't like it's saying New York to Georgia. It's an introduced right. native to yeah. here. Yeah. So, so, so it's not a true native. So range. Fran is is basically saying that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that, but I was thinking, yeah. you know, and I know it's not truly native and it's it's naturalized. Yeah. But I was thinking, I am sunflowers are taller. You I, know, I have been I'm, using bone apps for mm-hmm. the native range. Yeah. Like and not using introduced. Like, I'm trying to use its real yeah. native range. Yep. Okay. I was really stumped until Kelly said Echinacea purpurea. And I'm like, ooh, what about Rebecca fulgida? Because that is in that one to four yeah. foot range. And that's. Oh, yeah, that's a clumper. Yeah, too. so that's what I'm going to guess. And I'm wrong. So, and you may disagree with the height range of this, but I went with a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say that it gets taller than one to four foot. Okay. Does that change your guess? Yes. 
All right. Oh, what, yeah. All right. What's your guess then? Oh, I have no idea, but it would change my <laughs> guess. <laughs> all right. Today's today's it's it's false sunflower heliopsis. Oh, that's what I was, that was my second guess. <laughs> oh man. One to four feet. Uh, is there going to be a fight? Yeah, yeah. that's taller than me. <laughs> You're listening to a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. Welcome back to a native plant every day. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And we still have our, <laughs> our special guest, Kelly Gill. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so, One to four feet. I, I have so much evidence that that's wait, not true. Well, today's plant is Heliopsis helianthoides, which is false sunflower, and it's also called rough oxeye and oxeye sunflower. So what would you say that plant gets, six foot? I, I would put six, it six foot. Yeah. Absolutely. Six foot. But I'm wondering if – all right, we always talk about how things react if you have it in – the wrong mm-hmm. condition. So it, it prefers full sun but can tolerate part shade. Mm-hmm. So when you put something in part shade that doesn't really want to be, it can tolerate it, it's going to stretch and get lanky mm-hmm. and longer. So maybe you're seeing it in part yeah. shade. Or, yeah, what if, what if it's in, like, the middle of a sunny farm field? <laughs> Would that yeah. be considered part well, shade? Well, you know, here's the funny thing. I I always go – when you researching this mm-hmm. – you know, maybe in other parts of the country, yeah, it's one to four foot tall, and and it's it might be conditions. Maybe if it's a place that um, um, it's it's getting different water requirements. Like I would imagine, it's going to get a lot smaller in New Mexico than it's mm-hmm. going to get here because. So Dry I always climate. go with an average of what I find because when you're looking at these, you can go to five mm-hmm. sites and get five different height yeah. ranges. So and with um. When Maybe I, it's one to four foot, but can get five to six foot. And yeah, and what what I've found with a lot of these, and, and this is me just comparing it with other industry professionals that aren't that far away, talking like Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, and we have wildly different experiences with heights of plants. Yeah, stuff mm-hmm. stuff that I say, oh, I've never seen it taller than four foot, and they're like, oh, it's get definitely gets over six feet, and uh, even when it comes to deer resistance, things that we have listed as deer resistant or at least somewhat deer-resistant, they say is deer candy. So it does differ from area to area. Well, I still think it's a, a BS clue because you knew it was – Well, <laughs> I will say I would right, never have thought right by our pond, <laughs> there's some growing that I posted on my social mm-hmm. media back in the fall uh, because of the pollinators uh, still using the blooms even though it was fall. Mm-hmm. And I'm 5'11", and it was taller than me. Yeah. So, yeah. so totally. All right, so – you're familiar with this plant. Is there anything in particular you'd like to know? Yeah. Where you'd I, like to start? I think the, the alluring thing for me for this plant is the flower. So why don't you start out by describing the flower? So it it is in the sunflower family, uh, you know, obviously the aster family. So it's it's called false sunflower. It has a double or single daisy-like yellow to orange flowers uh, surrounded by a cone-shaped golden brown center disc. So – it's not a black center. It's a golden brown, uh, smaller obviously than – I didn't write the size down, but they're smaller than obviously than a sunflower. Mm-hmm. Wait, what would you think? Like two inches in diameter? Yeah, probably two. I'm, of course, no yeah, one can I'd see that what I'm doing with my hands, but I'm, I'm guessing two to three inches. Um, and it blooms July through October. You get a really long bloom time mm-hmm. out of this. Like it's – once it starts, it's, it's kind of never ending. Yep. And it's like – I think it was October when I posted the pollinators all over it mm-hmm. uh, on my social media. So – um, so it's found in wooded areas, uh, typically, uh, like where I was just talking about on our properties, mm-hmm. wooded areas, uh, tall grass prairies, I've seen it along stream banks, yep. um, and sometimes along roadsides. Uh, so if you're using it in your garden, so basically if that's where it's found, you, it, it can be used very nicely as a mass planting, uh, general garden use, uh, naturalizing a woodland or a garden if you're trying to make it more natural. Uh, and it makes a great border. Uh, it's a really nice yellow border, but it can get tall depending on what part of the country that you're in. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I've always found interesting with this plant when you get up close is it has really interesting leaves and stems. Can you tell us about that too? Sure. It's uh, opposite leafed, so it's uh, opposite toothed leaf blades. Um, uh, they're oval or lance-shaped, um, and then they they may be smooth or hairy. Or rough in texture, depending on where you're kind of feeling that that leaf. So, it's uh, the stem is rough to the touch. Mm-hmm. 
um, and it may contain a single flower head or branched into multiple stems with multiple flowers. That's what I see more often is you get those multiple branches with many flowers on it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. to me. Oh, I definitely. don't very rarely see just one flower stem unless you've cut it back early to keep it a little shorter. Mm-hmm. You may get that sometimes, but sometimes that promotes more, more branching. Yeah. More branching. Right. So um, – what kind of soils does it really like? I know it's a, a facultative wet plant, but like I mentioned, where we grow it in our seed field, it's it's pretty dry. So it's it like you said, it 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 is considered a facultative wet, but it actually likes well drained soil uh, and can actually grow well in heavy clay soil. So and and does well in drought. So even though it's facultative wet and it's found sixty six to ninety nine percent of the time in wetlands. It it can handle when I see it. Typically, it's not in wetlands, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. in a heavier soil and and in a drier area. Um, but it is considerate. You know, I was kind of surprised to find I couldn't get some of the some of the information is a little hard to flesh out and find. Mm-hmm. Um, it's considered a short lived perennial. Yeah, it, that I, surprises me. Too. I I wouldn't have considered that, but I don't know what they're considering short lived five to ten years. Yeah, I have no, I, I have no clue. I don't know. Yeah, but what what would be interesting? You know, we do have experience because we do line out plants in our fields for seed collecting. Mm-hmm. That's not one I see us replanting. No, like lobelia yeah. is one that every couple of years you're replanting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's been in our seed field at least five years, and we haven't replanted. Now, I know it's reseeded itself quite a bit too. Because when we go and collect all the seed, we're not getting all the seed. A lot of it goes on the ground. So I know it's filled in a lot of those gaps, and it makes a really, really cool mass of yellow flowers when it's blooming. Yeah. so It really stands out. Yep. And it does have fruit, and, and it's uh, – I don't even know how to pronounce this, Tom. Yeah, a- yeah you're asking me to pronounce something? A- <laughs> a- it's A-C-H-E-N-E. A-C-H-E-N-E. I don't know. About a quarter of an inch long. Roughly a mm-hmm. fifth of an inch to a quarter of an inch long. So I don't know that I've necessarily am familiar with the fruit. Are you? No, no. Other than the what I know the seeds look like. Yeah. So it's got to be somewhere around there. But yeah, I'm not really okay. sure. All right. So um, it does have a very fibrous root system, and it will spread by rhizomes and stolon. So if you're putting one plant in, expect that plant to get a little bit larger than <laughs> than than what you put in. It's going to become a if it's a small clump, it's going to become a much larger clump over time. Um, and it does have some issues, you know, like like the other things that we've talked about. It's susceptible to aphid um, and powdery mildew, and that's when you're putting it in a wetter condition than, mm-hmm. than what it's used yep. to. Um, and it has – I thought this was a very interesting fact. has a medium flammability rating. Hmm. So if you're in an area like the Pine Barrens where fire is – a possibility or or well this isn't native to california but i would imagine some of these uh states out on the western side uh, mm-hmm. where fire is definitely more of a possibility yeah. maybe not something you want a whole meadow of in your backyard yeah <laughs> unless you want to burn it which is <laughs> yeah. fun yeah and, and good for the your plant diversity and, and a lot of things good for a lot yeah so, so it's you know i thought was interesting it, you know if you want in your yard no toxicity report it mm-hmm. um but that means that things like livestock will will sometimes graze it. You mm-hmm. know, you'll have that. Yep. It it is another one that they're touting is deer resistant. I don't know how true that is. Kelly, you made a face. You know, I I think a lot of these become less palatable palatable as they um, establish and become mature. Mm-hmm. But as a small plant, I think it's pretty palatable to yeah. deer. Listen, if, yeah, you know, because it's one of the one of the uses. Is that the flowers have a mild taste and can be used as a garnish or in salad? So if we're finding it tasty, more than likely mm-hmm. deer are finding it just the, as tasty. The only thing I could think of is those stems do get a little bit woody and they're really fuzzy, fibrous. Yeah, so yeah. I've seen the, the stems are rough. Yeah, yeah, or they're, they're rough. I shouldn't say yeah. fuzzy, but they're rough. And we've seen side by side where you have something that has a smoother stem next to something that has like either is pubescent or has some hair or yeah. is like rough. You definitely see deer going towards the, the smoother, right. like softer stuff first. Yes. So, oh, totally, totally. Well, so um, here's the big thing: is yes. how do how does wildlife and and I guess more so pollinators use this plant? So it, there's a lot of great pollinator use, and I'm sure Kelly can back me up on this. Yes. Um, 
it is pollinated by ground nesting bees. Uh, the hollow holocopocytes. Heliopsis. You should have just kicked that <laughs> one over to Heliopis. Kelly. Heliopis. <laughs> Do you know it, Kelly? You got it right. Did I? All right. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> All right. Uh, which is a specialist pollinator of Heliopsis. Um, bird, birds will utilize the seeds, seed as a food source. Stems provide winter cover for beneficial insects. So we always tout don't cut, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't cut your herbaceous stems back until spring because – a lot of insects will use it as cover or for for overwintering. So this is nice long stems, uh, nice size for for insects to overwinter in. What Kelly? What for someone that's listening that's used to a fall cutback, like they they cut back in the fall, and we're telling them not to cut back until spring. What would you recommend as a good time frame to go back in and start taking those stems down? I always say in the spring when you see things become active. So when you start to see bumblebees flying. Um, other insects flying, that means that if anything was using the stems for nesting or leaf litter for overwintering, um, that they're emerging at that time. And, you know, nothing's 100%, but it's always good to leave stuff over the winter. Don't worry about putting your garden to bed. Do that in the spring, um, and then you'll be getting those new shoots popping up. Mm-hmm. People get antsy, and I understand. Like, oh, it yeah. starts to get a little warm, and you start looking at it, and you're like, I want to go outside and start getting some work done. Like, the first thing you think of is, all right, I'm going to clean up and get ready. Yeah, and, March or April, I would wait. Until yeah, so. yeah. I know for a lot of things, like if you're cutting back, um, like especially like say non-native, like you're doing roses. Roses die back from the tips. They always say you leave it over the winter and you cut it back in mid to late March. So that's kind of where I'm thinking like late March, early April is a good time. Uh, and you'll find that this plant also attracts uh, a multitude of butterflies and other yeah. pollinators. So Very important for monarchs because it's blooming when monarchs are breeding and migrating. Yeah, Awesome. So Kelly, what do, you, what do you love about this plant? Oh, you know what I love the most, and this is going to sound silly, but when you have those kind of fall gray days and you see this bright burst of yellow against kind of a gray blue sky, I think it's really an attractive plant. It really attracts droves of insects. It's a flower that the resources are open access to a lot of pollinators compared to, you know, tubular flowers we talked about earlier, which can be a little more difficult. Um, you need a longer tongue mm-hmm. <laughs> to get that reward. But this is really a, a winner. And I love the clumping form. I mean, if you want to fill a space, this is a good plant for it. And I think when you're looking at that plant too, say you're looking at a four to five foot tall plant, you're not just getting blooms at the top, you're getting blooms throughout the whole plant. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. pretty full. Like it's it's striking as you're against it. What you're? Did you want me to say four to six foot tall? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you're looking to plant this in your garden and remove something else, one thing, you know, it's not, you know, if you're looking for color, uh, something similar, the first thing I thought of was it, take out Hemerocallis fulva, which is the traditional orange daylily that mm-hmm. a lot of people see and they don't know the name of it and they ask what it is, but it's highly, highly uh, invasive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's used in masses and borders. So you can take that out. You can use something like this. Again, it's going to get taller, but. It's going to support so much more yeah. pollinator habitat mm-hmm. than the hemorrhagalis. So. Yeah, definitely. So totally. Um, and one small little fact that I'll throw in there because we're going to get ready for our quiz, but I had way too many things to use. So um, <laughs> this plant can be used in medicinal drinks for treatment of lung troubles. Mm. So if, you're, if your lungs are ailing, fall sunflower is the plant for you. All right. All right, Fran. I've only gotten both the first quiz and last quiz wrong on like a handful of occasions, so I I can't make it a habit today. I'm expecting good, honest clues here. I think uh, you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> guess this one. All right, um, let's see. The stems of Heliopsis helianthoides have been used in the treatment of malaria. Okay. A yellow dye called sunny yellow can be made from the flowers. That would make sense. Helianthoides, also from the Greek meaning like helianthus, the sunflower. Mm-hmm. Um, the genus from the Greek word helios meaning the sun and opsis meaning appearance. Okay. So a sun-like appearance like a sunflower if you Brandon, put it all did you, together. Did you ever study Greek? 
before? He, no. Okay. I'm no. Just trying to vet out that those clues. Yeah, and the leaves have been used in a strong tea to reduce fever, fevers and loosen phlegm. Okay. Those are your, yeah. your five. You're clues. a fan of the word phlegm, so that could have been the phlegm, one you made up. Phlegmy. What, what was the first But also again? I said it was used in municipal drinks yeah, yeah. for treatment of lung trouble. So that might yeah. – Pair together with yeah. that. Like I threw you one. I threw you one. <laughs> what was what was the first clue? Uh, let me see. Uh, the stems of Heliopsis helianthoides have been used to treat malaria. Okay, that one stands out to me. All right, is that your yeah. guess? Because That's, for some ooh. for whatever reason, I feel like malaria is not something that happens in North America or uh, didn't happen. Oh. But I don't. I don't. Really know right, you right. think of malaria, you're thinking like yeah. more tropical areas. So totally. I'm, I think that's the clue. I'm all right, and you're agreeing with Tom. I, I agree with Tom. Yeah. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> really it's, stink at this game. It's the yellow dye. <laughs> really, I totally oh. made that up. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that would make. I don't. I made Come on, sunny yellow. I didn't even know what the name. And I'm like, no, just make it up. <laughs> sunny yellow. <laughs> oh, totally. So all right. So the most important thing. But Would can you, it, it's absolutely impossible to make a dye out of it. Are you sure? I don't know what it is. I, I found no evidence supporting that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to Google this. <laughs> All right. Well, while you're Googling that, Kelly, is this, is this a plant you would put in your yard? This is a plant I would put in my yard. Um, I would put it along my shed area oh, where, okay. where it has some support yeah. um, because of the height of it. And so I wouldn't put it maybe lining a walkway or somewhere where it could kind of flop yeah. over. But along the back fence line, I think it would be perfect. Nice little screen for my neighbors. Yeah. I I like this plant. I, I don't know that I have a spot in my yard. But if I did, I would put it in my yard. The one thing that we didn't discuss that I thought would – if you're putting it in your garden and you're concerned about the height, it's it does react to pruning very well. So – when the foliage gets up to about two foot, you can whack it back to a foot, and then it will kind of you'll get a shorter squatter plant out of that. You could do the same thing with uh, like cut cut leaf coneflower, uh, Rudbeckia luciniata. That's one that gets really tall and floppy, yeah. and you can cut it early before it starts putting on buds, and and you can keep it a little more manageable. So if you're worried about the height, don't be. Um, and depending on the condition, it may not get six foot tall. All right, Tom, you're smiling. I so I have this in my garden, and All right. the only issue with it was that it was too tall. <laughs> so I was, it was like if I left it uncontrolled, it was six feet, sometimes even taller than that. And um, so I started cutting it back twice a year, and I still struggled to keep it less than four feet. Wow! Actually, I couldn't keep it less than four feet. All right. So uh, yeah, so I didn't like your first clue, but I, <laughs> it makes a good garden plant. It didn't work how I used it. I yeah. planted too much of it. It was just like it was almost a. We talk about in Native Plants Healthy Planet or other podcasts, those gardens where you don't want things to be like like lunging out at people. Yeah. And that's what was happening. That, it was just too one, big yeah. and too like oppressive feeling. So I had to I pulled a lot of it out. I left some, but I pulled uh-huh. a lot of it out and put in some lower stuff in there. So uh-huh. yeah, so that's why I did not like your first clue at all. Because my experience <laughs> had been completely different. <laughs> We need, to four feet we, need, off too. we need a counter of how many times Tom said he did not like my first clue. Yeah. The other thing I'm going <laughs> to point out, too, about <laughs> my last clue, I couldn't find anything specifically saying it was used for, uh, for, um, a, die. for a die. But someone did ask uh, about they wanted to plant a plant dyer's garden. So something where they could make yeah. dyes out of, and it was listed as a plant to use in that dyer's garden. All right. Well, and, I uh, just completely made so, that yeah, up. And, so. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, we'll shake you. Now. We'll shake you. <laughs> All right, you go to the store and ask for sunny yellow heliopsis dye. All right, everyone, we're halfway through the week. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. All right, you've had you've had time to do research. Can you rebuff my? Rebuff my die, and the time you're actually referring to was uh, not a full day. It's, it's only a few <laughs> minutes. You've later. had 24 hours, <laughs> yeah. but um, no. So the website it took me to, and this was actually uh, I think it was Penn State Extension where this came up in 2013 right. out of Montgomery County, and someone wanted to plant in their garden in Conshohocken. They wanted to plant plants they could use for plant dye, and um, and one of the plants that was listed as a suggestion for them was. 
uh, was Heliopsis Helianthoides, which, uh, so someone's making a dye out of this. I don't know if it's like sunny yellow dye. I would assume it has something to do with yellow, but I'm waiting for not. someone to create it yeah. just to prove me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's gonna go and build a build a website and like list this as a product on their website. Sunny yellow plant dye made from. You know what? I want the copyright yeah. for that because I made it up. Let's or we're gonna have the, a native plants healthy planet tie dye party this yeah, summer. Yeah. All right. Yes. All right. I'm in. All right. <laughs> What's our clues for today? Now, I'm going to say I'm looking at this and, you know. We... And, the, yeah, the first clue is going to be BS again? Is that no, what you're No, 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 no. I just realized that as we started creating the fact sheets for this, I was much more thorough later on than mm-hmm. I was earlier. So this is one of the first ones that I did, and there's not a lot of information. Okay. So I'm hoping okay. that the two of you are familiar with this plant. And we can add more to this because there's not a not a lot here. Like I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, I should have went back to the first couple that I did and did some more research. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, so we're stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. It is an herbaceous forb. You see the theme here? Mm-hmm. Yes. We're yeah. three days into the – will I change it up? I don't know. This plant can get up to five foot tall. We'll see if uh, you yeah, agree. We'll see if, we'll see if you agree that's... with that. Um. Although it is a facultative wet species, it can be finicky with the saturation. Mm -hmm. It is native to damp shores, meadows, and swamps. Okay. And there are your five clues. That's all five. Oh, wait. No, that's four. That's That's four. I tried to cheat. (laughs) It's native to most of the continental United States with the exception of the Pacific Northwest and just east of it. So it's that top little corner mm-hmm. of the country that it's I, – I think it's like – I, I want to say it's Oregon, Washington, Montana, mm-hmm. like maybe one more state that it's not And you not said native. it's a, a forb? It's an herbaceous, herbaceous forb. Forb. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't give you much. And we don't get a plant no. family on this. I'm no, because I started obvious. doing that later. Yeah. You know oh, what? Okay. If you want, I'll – I'll look it up real fast, maybe. I have an idea just because I know your history with this plant, and that's the only reason I'm thinking all right, all right, I'm thinking on. of it. I think it's not native to that area. All right, hold on. Let me let me look at the family real fast. And this could really just crush my guess or not. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, I have a guess. The family is Campanulaceae. I'm not familiar with that one. Um. So let me see if I can tell you what else is in it without uh, Campanula is in it. Um, I don't want to tell you the other one because it will give it away. I'm trying to see. I'm not really. Well, Campanula is in it. There you go. Oh, all right. Kelly, you said you had a guess. Oh, Do you know I, Campanula? If you know Campanula, I don't, all right, well, you might. it might help you. What's your guess, uh, Tom? Platycodon, which is balloon flower. Okay. Isn't it? If you know Platycodon. Oh, man. I'm, I'm completely lost on this one because um, I don't know that, that flower <laughs> either. The only the, the first thing that popped in my head, and then it doesn't make any sense the more I think about it, was Acris americanus just because of the native range. And I think that is a native to most of the country when I'm thinking of the map except that area. I don't picture but, that getting that tall. I, I think yeah. I think that's more two to three. Foot. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't your, was it your guess? I'm going to use it as my guess because I don't have a better. guess. All right. How about you, Kelly? Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess square stem monkey flower. Mm, I don't think that's native in New Jersey. Is it not native? I here? don't think so. it might be. If it is, it's it's more like I think Pennsylvania. I don't yeah. know. If, I thought it was native at least to the northern part of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you one more clue and see if it gives okay. it away. Ready? It has a bright red flower. Well, now I forgot all the other crews. <laughs> Come on. I don't know if I want to play this game anymore. This is <laughs> this is getting to be no fun. Um, uh, I know it. I can't. Come on. Come on. <laughs> It has a bright red flower. Uh, it's an herbaceous. Red columbine. Is it Lobelia cardinalis? 
<laughs> I didn't want to really? give you the satisfaction. I thought that did pretty well in saturated yeah. soils. You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Welcome back to a native plant every day, or maybe we should just call it an argument every day. <laughs> I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And we are continuing with our special guest, Kelly Gill. Welcome. We're we're halfway through the week, over halfway through Thanks the week. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. So well, so it can be really it, – it does well in saturated conditions, but what we have found over time is that Say you were doing a shoreline restoration and you think of things that are saturated that you could put in a core lock mm-hmm. that is going to be right on the stream's edge. So maybe it's maybe it's wet, maybe it's not depending on the water flow. They were dying out very quickly in, oh. in core log situations um, mm. or just behind the core log. Like a lot of the the contractors that we were working with found that they had to go two or three foot behind to get the saturation level right where they were surviving. So you hear facultative wet. It's always found in a wetland. Let's put it here. But it can be a little finicky in some areas that, you know, it, it does prefer. Now, I'm sure someone's listening going, oh, I have it in standing water and it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. You know, there's always instances yeah. of, of either or. But we've just heard from a multitude of, of landscape professionals or wetland scientists that, hey, maybe this one is mm-hmm. – can be a little touchy. My touchy. personal experience with it is it doesn't like to grow where I like to plant it. It yeah, likes to grow yes. in all these other places around there. It just doesn't grow exactly where I put it. It's it's been interesting that way. Yeah. So I could get I could see the finicky part of it. Yeah. You know, but this is a plant that we we mentioned when we were doing uh, uh, Penstemon digitalis that really it's a lot of like basal florets or rosettes mm. and and the height is coming from the stalk yep. like you get yep. that basal foliage you know i had an instance and i know we'll cover this i had it in my yard and after it bloomed and the stalks died off the plant died mm-hmm. like i got nothing and the stalks actually were taller than me so over 6 foot tall oh, oh wow um but there was it was basal rosettes you had the leaves on the stalks themselves mm-hmm. and then they bloomed they finished and then just Yep. Fell right over and died, and there was nothing left. Um, and but, I've seen that happen often, at, both in our seed farm and at home. I've seen that exact same scenario happen a lot. And it's just, you know, they're not a very long-lived plant, just like Penstemon. Mm-hmm. They they only live three to four years. So, But you'll start seeing the rosettes coming kind of close by. Like if you have a plant here, you may start seeing them within like a couple inches, a foot more plants sprouting mm-hmm. up, which which happened to me. Like even though that plant died within three inches of that, the new one was already starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's it. I just really thought there's not too many, at least for we we grow personally here at Pinelands Nursery a lot of sun loving mm-hmm. herbaceous materials. So and when you and and wetland plant material. So when it comes to sun loving and wetland open areas there's not yep. too many red flower no no um, yeah once you said red flower it's like oh okay yeah, i know yeah, what it is yeah. but yeah the the other things kind of yeah. completely threw me off i was kind of shocked was, i really thought that lobelia would be a state flower to somewhere and it's not that is very interesting especially having such a wide native range that being said i i have a hunch that most of the state flowers are not actually native plants yes so yes. uh if you if you made a requirement that the state flower had to be a native plant I would assume someone would be picking that one up. I agree. I agree. But you mentioned the flower. Tell us a little bit about the flower. So it's it's a bright red flower, and again, it's a stalk. So the plant itself is relatively small. Um, how would you describe that flower shape? It's would you would you consider it not tubular? I'd almost say it's somewhat tubular. somewhat tubular. It would re- you resembles that? Yeah. Okay, so it's like a tubular red flower that that mine as soon as it bloomed. Our neighbors started asking about it because it was covered with mm-hmm. hummingbirds yep. every day. Yeah. So hummingbirds, it's like a – it sends out its bat signal or hummingbird signal like boop, boop, come, you know, it's time. <laughs> they so, love red, yep. Yeah, so it's very striking, more towards the top of the stalk. Not, It's not – if it's a four-foot stalk, it's not blooming mm-hmm. all four foot of it. It's like the top foot, yep. I would say, and it kind of – they they open not all at once. It's kind of like from the top down. They'll slowly mm-hmm. open throughout the stalk. So you do get uh, a decent bloom time. Um, what, what would you say? Two weeks? Two weeks? Three weeks? 
I'd say about two. I, I'd say two or three. Yeah. See, this is all the stuff that I got better putting on here. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, this is a plant I know. Um, so, and then the leaves are dark green. I'd say medium to dark green leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're toothed and alternative, so that helps you at least. If if you're seeing stalks and leaves, that should help at least with the identification process. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, yep. Um, it, it's then that the greenness that it has, like Fran mentioned, is yeah. a little bit darker than a lot of the other perennials I've had in my yes, garden. Yeah, and um, so it sets itself apart even just from the plant at the, the herbaceous part of it. Yes, the, the leaves and stems, and then the flower obviously sets itself apart because it's completely different texture and and angle than most other flowers totally um and it is a summer bloom so if you're looking at when it's going to bloom it is uh, a typical uh summer bloom it does like full sun it can take part shade um you know i've i've actually had it in my yard at the new property and the old property and where it was was part shade and it just it you know full sun six foot where i had it my Mm -hmm. old property in part shade it was maybe two to three foot Mm-hmm. So totally like changed the the height difference. Yep. It was a much more yep. compact. Um, but I got a longer bloom set when it was in full sun than mm-hmm. than I did when it was in part shade. So my favorite question: Tell us how how wildlife use this plant. Kelly, would you like you 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 gave a big grin? Would you like to Would you like to kick oh, in? Oh well, you already mentioned hummingbirds, which yes. is you know they really like those tubular flowers. Is it only pollinated by hummingbirds? I'm not sure. I, um, I had read that, but I wasn't. But mm-hmm. I, I thought I had heard that only pollinate that only hummingbirds can pollinate lobelia. But I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know how accurate that is. You would think other long-tongued insect, insects play a role as well. Yes. Um, the thing is, when I see it in the wild, I usually. You know, it's in a floodplain or somewhere, and there's mm-hmm. only one plant of it. And <laughs> yeah. it's like finding a treasure, you know. Yeah. You're like, oh, there it is, the striking red. Um, but there's only usually one plant. But, I, you know, it has um, those tubular flowers that have those deep, deep nectaries. Mm-hmm. So things with long mouth parts um, are, are drawn to that plant. Awesome. So it's uh, native bees, uh, butterflies, other pollinating insects love this plant. Small butterflies like skippers, uh, pollinating flies, and beetles all seek the nectar and pollen from the flowers. Um, and several species of butterfly and moth lay their eggs on this plant uh, on the genus Lobelia. So not just uh, cardinal flower but blue Lobelia, mm-hmm. other Lobelias. Uh, they are, are liked by that. Um, I don't know if I have specifics. I don't have specifics down for this. But also slugs and snails like to eat the leaves. So mm-hmm. – you know, and we this is something that we've talked about on Native Plants Healthy Planet is just because something's eating the leaves doesn't mean that you have to start shouting danger, danger. So if, mm-hmm. if you have snails and slugs eating the leaves, that's okay unless they're killing yeah, the plant. They, they play a role in our ecosystem too. Yeah. Even if it's just providing food to other larger predators, um, that's something that they play their role in addition to other things that do. I'm trying to think of what else yeah. snails and slugs do. But it's but. it's good that something's eating eating it because it yeah. is toxic uh, to humans if you mm-hmm. eat in large quantities, and it is toxic to cats and dogs. And actually, it was uh, someone mentioned they had learned that from us on a Native Plants Healthy Planet mm-hmm. podcast, and they were going to put it somewhere that there were a lot of edibles, and they decided to remove it from yep. that garden because they were a little concerned that mm-hmm. people would get uh, confused and and want to eat that plant. So. Yeah. Um, I think the red flower should be a good color warning. Like if you see it's, you know, red is danger. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of plants that are red yeah. or animals that are red are doing that because they're trying to tell you, hey, this is yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I've actually seen with uh, cardinal flower in in regards to pollinators is one the all the hum, hummingbirds that come to it and if you want hummingbirds in your yard and you live in its native range, that's something I definitely encourage. Absolutely. But two is uh, with honeybees. And they don't really pollinate it because they'll actually chew through the side of the flower and then suck out the nectar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when my brother said, oh, yeah, I've been seeing this a lot because we were having some issues with our inner seed field again where uh, we weren't getting the pollination we needed. So we were getting a little bit of seed but not nearly as much as we thought we should. And it was because you had a lot of hun- uh, honeybees. Nectar robbing. Nectar robbing <laughs> these flowers and not pollinating. They were they were avoiding that because uh, they couldn't get in the, yeah. the normal way through the front door. So that's just something else that's interesting about that plant. 
so if you're if you're looking at putting this in your yard, um, it it makes a great standalone plant. But you can mass it. It looks incredible in a small mass where uh, if you just want one specimen. I don't know if that you consider it a specimen, but it does get tall and give you some height with some red but without taking up a lot of room. So if you have some tall things behind it, you kind of mm-hmm. get that that good uh, depth yep. uh, yeah. chart a little bit. Um, and it makes a good sub for purple loosestrife. So if okay. you have yeah, uh, purple loosestrife in your property, which is um, – which is invasive, mm-hmm. you know, you could use blue lobelia or red lobelia oh, yeah. as a substitute for that. So I, I, I know that's a plant people are still selling. So Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to, like one of the things I make a habit of when I go to people's houses is bringing native plants as a gift. Is there anything special about this plant to bring it as a gift? Because I, I do it already, but does it have any meaning behind yeah, it? Yeah, it does kind of, not so much as like love, but the red, the red flower it makes a good cut flower. Uh, and it kind of bestows a sense of dignity and distinction. So it's it's a very like formal like you're, yeah you're kind of yeah. presenting putting your best foot forward when you're giving lobelia as a as a cut flower gift. So are you going to be giving that as a? I might have. Well, I ha- already have. I've given the plants, not necessarily the flowers, but yeah. maybe I have to start giving out the flowers too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then. We're going to go into our quiz, but I kind of overflowed a little bit. So one of the Native American uh, uses for um, Lobelia cardinalis, you know, even though it's toxic in large amounts, the Iroquois boiled the roots with chicory root and used the liquid to treat fever. So given that, we are going to go into our next quiz, which is I'm going to give you five facts, one of which is false. Okay. Mm -hmm. I should say five statements, four of which are factual, one okay. of which is false. Have you – has that – all right. What's – have we been keeping track? How have you been – Oh, we've been getting stumped this week. All right. I think yeah. I'm going to – I got the, the – I got plant the plant right on day one, and then I've been 0 for since. It is amazing yeah. that if I just do a little bit pr- little bit of prep before we do this that I can stump you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see if I can get you again today. Uh, the Iroquois also mashed the roots, stems, leaves, and flowers together to treat cramps. Mm-hmm. A tea made from the leaves is used in the treatment of croup, nosebleeds, colds, fevers, and headaches. Okay. There are always an odd number of flowers on each lobelia stalk. Okay. <laughs> um. The Pawnee used cardinal flower roots and flowers as a love charm. Mm-hmm. And legend states cardinal flower is named for the long red robes worn by the leaders of the Catholic Church. Okay, and I, I've heard that before. So there was uh, – I think it was your third clue. All right. What was that one again? Uh, I'm trying to remember – which order? Because I didn't read them Uh-oh. in order. I think <laughs> the first one was the Iroquois mashed the root stems and leaves and flowers together to treat cramps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second was it, was it was another one about the Iroquois and it was sort of cold and fevers. Um, yes. Oh, uh, a tea is made from the leaves is used in the treatment of croup, nosebleeds, mm-hmm. colds, fevers, and headaches. There were always an odd number of flowers on each lobelia stalk. Yeah, that that, that one. Yours. I that just nature. I don't feel like that's nature's that precise. <laughs> so come on, have you ever seen a nautilus with the Fibonacci <laughs> yeah. code? That's pretty precise. What's, yeah, what's that term that they use all the time? I can't remember what it is, but I like how everything adds up to certain things yeah, and all that, like a Fibonacci yeah. code. That's the Fibonacci yeah. code. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Come on. All right, that's so what I'm going with. You're going with yeah. the the odd number, Kelly. I need to get like a thinking. Like the first, oh the first one was like a little intriguing too because that look at there's that many medicinal uses, but I I found that those tend to be accurate. All right, I'm I'm gonna say the just to maybe pick something different than Tom. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Pawnee love charm. Is the false. Pawnee love charm? All right, Kelly went with the Pawnee use cardinal flower roots and flowers as a love charm. And Tom went with there are always an odd number of flowers on each lobelia stalk. Oh. You got it. I was trying yeah. to 
I should have just agreed with you, Tom, <laughs> yeah. instead of trying to make it interesting. <laughs> well, we yeah, took, we took our chances to, to see. We were spreading ourselves out a little bit, yeah. I think, is the, the strategy That's there. That's what I was going yeah. for. You know, yeah. I, I maybe I, I overthought that one. I, I tried to give – there's a lot of Native American mm-hmm. uses on this. Let me give something that sounds factual that yeah. maybe is in another direction yeah. without it standing out too much, but it, it probably stood out too much. Well, I was just – realistically, I'm like are, – are people going around and counting all these lobelia flowers <laughs> on every plant? Like, man, this one had 19 and this one had 21 and this one had 13. And Now someone has to do yeah. it. Maybe it's true. Yeah. That, see, no, see that's be. what maybe I need to come out and say this yeah. is true. And it will all depend on the day you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So the biggest uh, – we've kind of already talked about this. Are you putting it in your yard? I have it in my yard. Okay. I have it in my garden. Um and I love it. It just it doesn't it doesn't grow where I want it to grow, and it's because it's short lived. And uh, and I kind of knew this going, and it was just kind of well, we have I have some plants. Let me put them in. I know they're probably not going to keep coming back, but I went from like twenty to maybe ten to three last year. So I was hoping maybe they'd reseed a little bit, but it doesn't look like they're in their forever home. They're they're transitioning out. But that's okay. I'd rather have a plant that figures out where it wants to be than just disappear. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how about you, Kelly? I have blue lobelia in my yard. Right. I, you know, I have a small kind of urban lot, so um, I feel that's a little more versatile um, with the conditions I have. Yeah. I don't have uh, red lobelia, but if I, I, I thought it would grow well in my yard, I certainly would put that striking red flower mm-hmm. there. And I've mentioned I've had it on both of my properties. And, yeah. um you know, we'll see if it comes back next year after it, it fell over. I know there mm-hmm. was a new plant, but I'm curious to see once the weather breaks. Yeah. We'll have to touch back oh, yeah. on that at some point. So, all right, we're almost through the week. We have one more episode left, and we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.